Welcome to Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network, your number one destination for pop culture, news, and entertainment. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jan Banks. We want to give a very special shout out to our listeners, and we appreciate your continued support. First, in order to keep up with us, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share the show. Also, for our Facebook users, search Urban Alchemy on Facebook and join the community. It's interactive, growing, and you'll be able to receive the most up-to-date information on the podcast and what we're doing here in the Kansas City area. Speaking of the Kansas City area, bro, what's been happening with you? I know you're always doing big things around the metro, so anything new? Shout out to everybody out there who are supporting once again on the, our social media. Please make sure to like and follow us. Uh, we are almost at 2,000 uh, followers on our Facebook fan page. So please make sure you are uh, liking that. If you are friends with us on Facebook, you have probably already received a like. So just check your notifications. Uh, also, special shout out to all the organizations who I am working with in conjunction with this podcast, Kansas City Association of Black Journalists, the Pitch KC, the Kansas City Star Advisory Board, the Village KC Non-for-Profit Board of Directors. And uh, yeah, big shout out to everybody out there who are contributing music to our show and our Urban Alchemy playlist on Spotify. So be sure to check them out. Music for the episode is going to be brought to us by Dre period in his song idg so check that out that is on the playlist and stay to the end of the episode for that track so yeah that's all i got eric uh why don't you tell the folks we got in store for what we have in store for them today yeah so last time we talked about some of our favorite films and i think we did whiplash last was that correct yes okay so we did whiplash and then we started throwing around movies that, you know, uh, we would do next. And one of those films was The Prestige. Now, for full disclosure, The Prestige is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. And we're going to be doing a few reviews of Christopher Nolan coming up. But this film came out in 2006. Uh, once again, written and uh, directed by Christopher Nolan and his brother, uh, Jonathan Nolan, it is adapted from an actual uh, text, though, uh, but the screenplay is excellent. Uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, of course, did the Dark Knight trilogy, Memento, Inception, and most recently, 2020's uh, Tenet. Now, one of the criticisms recently from Nolan is that his films tend to be a little bit too convoluted, and sometimes the plot may be difficult to uh, really follow, uh, such as Tenet. Uh, a lot of people had issues with 2010's Inception, but uh, I think that the prestige gets as close as possible to where it's a film that requires multiple viewings, but yet it's not a film that will agitate you or confuse you. It's a film that will leave you in wonder and make you want to learn more uh, about the plot. What do you think? You mean a normal film? A regular, <laughs> straightforward film uh, is a, what you're talking about. A regular, straightforward film Let's by Christopher Nolan. I love Eric because he does these these long, drawn-out, beautifully worded oratory introductions, and then I just tear it apart with a few words. Like, Christopher Nolan is known for giving these convoluted, just drawn-out, I'm so smarter than the average person. And, and mm. the prestige is where you're definitely right. He does it right in this one. I just thought of something, and you may want to cut this in later. 
But do you think that Michael Caine is Christopher Nolan living vicariously through Michael Caine where he has to break the plot down and, I, it, play, and break plot elements down to characters? I think it's more digestible when it comes from Michael Caine because <laughs> he he's so pleasant to listen to. Right. So it's just like, yeah, I, 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 sure, there's, there's a machine you can go into someone's dreams. <laughs> yeah, okay, Michael Caine. Or, yeah, there's, there's, there's this guy who uh, grew up in a prison underground and then climbed out and now he's just monster. I got to watch out for sure. That's cool. But it's just like it, it, for any, from anyone else, it sound ridiculous. Like, but Michael Caine is—he just has that voice, that that very calm, soothing voice. That's just like, yeah, feed me more bullshit. Interstellar. You've never seen Interstellar. I have not. But I he have not. he does the Michael Caine bullshit in Interstellar. It was like we got a spaceship, and we're going to send it. See, it's circular, so it can travel light years. And it's just like that's not how space mm-hmm. works, Michael Caine. But sure. Uh, yeah, it's just he he has breakpoints in these movies where it's just like it kind of diverges. I haven't seen Tenet yet, but I've heard it's super confusing, like his piece de resistance of confusing movies. Right. But they also talk about the inability to understand what's going on. And if anybody knows anything about Nolan, he started this back with the. Dark Knight Rises, where the audio becomes unintelligible. And so this is probably his magnum opus of unintelligible uh, movies to listen to, because I even heard that famous directors were calling Nolan saying, hey, you know, we can't understand what's going on. You might want to dial it back. And the Dark Knight Rises, uh, it had to deal mainly with Bane's mask and Hans Zimmer's bombastic score. You couldn't hear, like, important things. And now it's just gotten to the point where I don't even think Nolan cares. He's just like, I'm just that guy. Yeah, I'm Christopher Nolan. I don't have to explain a goddamn thing to you. That, that's, that's the air of arrogance I get. That, that's just the pure arrogance I get from Nolan. Like, I don't have to explain this fucking machine. I can literally say this, this right here is the machine for the dreams how it works don't worry about it <laughs> he literally has a moment like that in every one of his movies where he's just like don't worry about it even this movie even in the dark knight rises the knee brace things that, that automatically makes bruce oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bruce able to kick down stone I, but- i'm glad you said that because i was just like wait what is that <laughs> can go back to that real quick. What is this? A cripple? Can you give that to other people? That looks like it might be useful to people. Right. Or like, the, <laughs> the EMP cannon that is not explained at all in The Dark Knight Rises where he just equips it to uh, the bat wing. Nothing uh, is explained in those movies except for the, it's just too expensive for the government. Except Morgan Freeman, <laughs> once right. again, has that voice where it's just like, yeah, we have this machine, Mr. Wayne, uh, that can take cell phones and you can use it like sonar. And it's just like, okay, sure. I believe it, you. But yeah, but just kind of circling back to the things that aren't explained, things aren't really explained in the prestige. It's for the audience to really come to their own conclusions and figure out a lot of the elements in the movie but there's they're so rewarding with those multiple views yeah i'd say it's easier in this one because it deals with magic right so it it deals with the concept of what's real what's reality what's Mm -hmm. magic what's science right and how how much are you willing to believe and and what are you being uh what's an illusion so to speak but yeah it, it he has more leeway 
And I think he also had a bit more leeway in Interstellar because, you know, with space, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just infinite possibilities and we don't know how everything works. So you do have that, you know, uh, that open area. Uh, And I guess he thought he had that open area with uh, Inception, Mm -hmm. but people still need to know the mechanics of it. Like if it was hypnosis, it'd be one thing. If it was psychics, it'd be another thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just say it's a machine we go to sleep. And then it's just like we're in each other's dreams. Well, but I don't, I don't that know. That was my gripe. I know it's not. I, th- I think, which wasn't personally my gripe, but the dream within a dream. Within a dream. Within a dream. Uh, and then you're in limbo type of thing. Yeah. Just kind of. I think South Park really did an excellent, like. South Park parody. ruins everything. Yeah, but. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger. They brought Freddy Krueger into. Right. I was just like, this is kind of brilliant, actually. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's probably one of the last brilliant South Park episodes that I've seen. But you know, overall, you know, he's been <laughs> criticized for that. You know, not where John Michael and I hate exposition. <laughs> Some of his films need exposition. Uh, great, and. The prestige does not have that ex- expository nature, but at the same time, um, it does a wonderful job of really laying out the groundwork for you to figure out everything. This is what we're going to start doing. We're going to start recording our own Michael Caine voiceover with important exposition. Really? Like for Inception, it's going to be like, in the 1970s, the CIA developed a method to go into people's dreams. They were able to do it by inserting a cord into the the cortex of the brain. And by doing that, they could actually connect people's cerebral cortex. Boom. Right there. You just fix. That just goes from a a B minus movie to an A plus movie. Thank you. Michael Caine. Yes. So Michael Caine is uh, what's necessary. A brief voiceover by Michael Caine is what's necessary. Dash. Just him in the prestige side. Yes, we also discovered Nikola Tesla was actually a magician. Well, <laughs> he was an actual wizard. A wizard, huh? I don't know. Explain, explain the machine to me. There's always a machine that can't be explained in a Nolan movie, right? But the but I would say that the machine, the MacGuffin machine, the machine in this particular film does not need explanation because you know we're dealing with a supernatural we're machina it's it it's let's, not a, let's let's go into this okay so it's not an ex machina i think every single nolan movie has an ex machina okay but i don't think the machine the, the this movie falls apart without the tesla machine inception falls apart without the dream machine uh, Interstellar falls apart without the uh, the hyperspace machine. It's always just a machine in Tenet. I'm sure there's a machine. I haven't seen Tenet, but I'm sure there's a machine in Tenet that it cannot be explained. Okay, but the, but an ex machina is and to, 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 let's just break down to our listeners. Uh, but it, it's based off a Doeus ex machina, which is a Latin term which mm-hmm. means God in the machine, mm-hmm. and it's just pretty much a, a plot device where something. Happen? Uh, how do you explain? It? You, it's a it's a plot device in which it saves somebody that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere, just like a just like God's hand. Like yeah, just, that, that's a good way of putting it. God's hand is just like if you're in a horror film and then all of a sudden the killer's running after you, but then they 
I don't know, a tree falls. Yeah, or that's an ex machina. In a fantasy movie and a, a volcano's exploding around you, all of a sudden these eagles just pop out of nowhere to carry you away. Right. So you can think about your ex machina in any recent film, and you're like, oh, okay, that's what that is. I never knew that there was an actual name for it. But yeah, it's just a plot device that gets the person out of a situation which seems all certain that death or um, something horrible is about to happen to them just does not simply happen yeah and nolan instead of using that at the end of his movies he puts it in the middle and it's just that's what we run off of without any explanation okay i can i can get with that but i don't know if i really think about the prestige like that because i'm trying to think about how the machine actually is the ex machina. I mean, the if ex you take away the machine, the whole movie falls apart because now he can't do the teleporting man. Okay, but I'm Borden thinking. can. Okay, but I'm thinking. By the way, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Yeah, there's you no haven't... way to. We can't save everything to the end. We can't do a breakdown of this movie in, while hiding things. So yeah. we're going to start off with like we got to go into spoilers. So, so we don't spoiler have, alert. Yeah, super spoiler alert because for we can, we're not fifteen year old film. <laughs> yeah, we can't do a Christopher Nolan just do time, you know, flashbacks and stuff. Like we have to go straight through because he. This is this is a movie that's cut into chunks. Mm-hmm. It's like a a flashback within a a flashback through a journal entry within him listening reading another journal. It, it's just it's broken into different time sequences, and we couldn't just run through it all. As the movie shoots, so we're gonna have to spoil things. You know what I was thinking? The only film that Christopher Nolan has that has not had to deal with time or flashbacks is wait, um, we were just talking about this movie, like The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. That's the only I was about film. Memento and yeah, Tenant. Every everything. film he's done has to deal with time and flashbacks, except The Dark Knight. Yeah, that's true. So I always, I always I always think about that. I'm like, I wonder what made the Dark Knight so special unless there's actually cut stuff from the Dark Knight that just didn't work for him. But mm-hmm. Batman Begins had flashbacks and Dark Knight Rises did. Yeah. Inception just deals with time and flashbacks. <laughs> so. In the mind and what's real. and Well, I guess they all deal with what's real, what's fake, uh, right. time as a construct, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, time. Well, I'll say that The Dark Knight had to deal with some elements of time only when the Joker gives him X amount of time to go save either Harvey Dent or um, Rachel Dawes. But uh, do you want to go into... The prestige and how it's set up, or do you just want to start taking chunks of the movie? Uh, we can we can set up the uh, just a basic outline uh, before we go into actual plot points. But it's, a, it's 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 the I would describe it I would describe it as a movie uh, a drama that depicts the competition of two rivals, two friends that become rivals uh, in their pursuit to become the best. And in that, this movie deals with a lot of themes of uh, illusion and reality and uh, 
what is true and what someone will do to obtain greatness. Like we talked a lot about our last review with Whiplash about what lengths people will go to to be great and be the greatest. And this movie is one of those movies that just has layer on top of layers on top of layers where I don't know if I like a movie where I'm watching, you know, 15 years later and it's still like, oh, wait, I never noticed that because it's just like I shouldn't still be noticing. It shouldn't be this well buried in your movie, Mr. Nolan. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's just a great movie. For, for one of the best plot twists, uh, ending mm-hmm. twists, I, I think I could see. And I actually, I, I, I told you a while back, like, I didn't understand the movie the first time I saw it. I I, I took it as one thing and I rewatched it. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I had it completely wrong. But, yeah, this movie deals with magic and science and illusion. And it really makes you understand the difference between the three. Um, yeah, so it, it really, it really um, great, great Great performances by everybody involved. Yeah, I would say Christian so. Bale, Hugh Jackman, uh, Michael Caine, of course, Re- Rebecca Hall, such a sympathetic character. Yes, uh, yeah, very tragic and sympathetic character. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, even though there's a shaky British accent. Yes, okay, okay. I knew you were gonna bring. I, I knew. I was like, she's gonna bring that. Well, I'm just saying because she kind of takes it. You're so enthralled in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small things, small details like that. I think he could have found or at least with a little bit more coaching she could have done a better job because she was fine in the movie really good mm-hmm. serviceable uh but she didn't have the impact on me as like rebecca hall's character but she or, wasn't, or wasn't a cameron like diaz no cameron <laughs> diaz is something far worse than cameron diaz gangs, gangs of new, new york, york. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah uh but david bowie as nikola tesla like yeah. christopher nolan's only choice i feel like he would not have made the movie if he couldn't get bowie to perform this role he see i love that that's something i was going to say is the uh just side characters mm-hmm. uh like uh andy circus yeah and uh you know he has such a small role in that movie but he does so much with it mm-hmm. same with david bowie and uh everybody even the little characters like the guard in the prison or you know the 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 lawyer who works for uh lord cochran or whatever his name is lord caldwell caldwell excuse me his name. yeah you're right absolutely right uh, but just those little nameless characters like everybody does a great job like and i absolutely understand what you mean with scarlett johansson because sometimes she does like pull you out of it right. a bit from this period piece but she was a very young actress at the time too she was so i mean she was she's only like a couple of years older than us i can see that being one of those studio things where it's like we need an american actress in this movie yeah you know pull over because it's a pretty it's a british cast uh yeah uh excuse me hugh jackman wait hugh jackman is australian Australian, but he he did do an american dialect and voice but the thing is that's peak hugh jackman back then x-men hugh jackman so that's probably the studio was probably like yeah we want somebody recognizable and that would have been hugh jackman i mean christian bell at that time had really only been noted for batman begins and what american psycho yeah yeah, american psycho wasn't uh christian bell a movie star he had a franchise but he wasn't like the actor we know him to be right so i can see that the studio being like, oh, you need to cast somebody like, oh, what about Hugh Jackman? And then saying, yeah, but for a female antagonist, how about 
Scarlett Johansson. She's young and, you know, up and coming. So I can, I can imagine that. I'm not sure that's what happened, but, you know, speculative uh, nature uh, of how these things happen. Was in Harvey Hollywood. Weinstein involved with this film? <laughs> no, I don't believe so. It just seems like a it was, it was not a Miramax film, sir. Okay. But no, this film, this cast, the it, it's a great, great movie. So just going into it, uh <clears throat> so with our characters, we got Hugh Jackman, uh our two main characters. And that's one of the interesting things about this film is just figuring out who is the bad guy, who's the good guy. Because mm-hmm. at first, you know, you're rooting for one person and then you kind of probably sw- switch sides. And it, it, it's 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 a because it, the the story is so disjointed and the 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 way you have to follow it. OK, let's start from the beginning. So it starts off with the uh, wonderful, silky voice of Michael Caine. Uh, describing the setup of a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty much you have the... I'm sorry, I don't have anything about that. Uh, um, I can't remember. So you'll have to cut this part out. The turn, the pledge, the prestige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the turn... Wait, give me... Pledge, turn, prestige. Okay, yeah. So pretty much Michael Caine is breaking down the the three parts of a magic trick, which is the uh, turn. Yeah, so it's pretty much the, I'm sorry, the turn, the reveal. Every great magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird, or a man. He shows you this object. Perhaps he asks you to inspect it to see if it is indeed real, unaltered, normal. But of course, it probably isn't. The second second act is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it to do something extraordinary. Now, you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled, but you wouldn't clap yet. Because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick has a third act, the hardest part, the hardest part, the part we call the prestige. And that's really indicative of this movie. Now. The whole time, which is interesting, we want to know, you know, um, we want to know about the third act. What's the what's the, you know, the payoff or whatever. Yeah, the but reveal. The reveal. But the entire movie has you focused on a magic trick. And I'm going to do something cliche with another Nolan film, a magic trick within a magic trick, yes, a dream a within a dream, within a magic trick. Right. So that's basically it's a magic trick within an illusion within a science project. project. 
Oh my goodness. But you know, that whole If we were famous, that would be our tagline. They would show on the like the commercials. Right. JM Banks and Eric Hawthorne and cause of the magic trip within an <laughs> illusion, within a science project. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. Uh but you know, that whole quote at the beginning of the film really encapsulates what the film is really about. Yeah. You're looking the whole the whole time, you're not really looking until the end. You're like, oh wait, wait, what 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 just happened in F. through the throughout this entire movie? I have to watch it again. First thing you hear is uh Christian Bell saying, Are you watching closely? Yes. Yeah, and that's 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 a very, very important theme because you don't know until like you at the end how much you weren't watching really. Right. How much you weren't picking up on everything telling you everything you need to know pretty much to look for. Yes. When you first watch this movie, you're going to be a passive viewer. But yeah. then the next time, second, third, fourth time, you're not going to be a passive viewer. You're going to be looking for every small, minute detail. And John John Michael was just talking about, oh, there's something new yeah. that I didn't realize about this when I just watched this film. Yeah, they set up everything you need. And this is the one where I'm like, okay, Nolan, good job. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know what you're doing. But uh I think he does get kind of lazy with his writing, but yeah, it sets up like you're you're showing, you're seeing uh, the great uh, Danton, Danton, yeah. who is uh, Hugh Jackman's character, mm -hmm. perform a magic trick with Christian Bale going on stage, you know, in the, in the portion where everybody's expecting inspecting the contraption to see, make sure there's no trickery going on. He sneaks backstage. And then as the performance goes on, he, he uh, is down there and he discovers a water tank. And then as the, the trick is performed, uh, Hugh Jackman falls in this water tank. It's locked and he's, he's pretty much drowned in this water tank. And then we cut to a trial for Borden, who is Christian Bell's character. And we hear Michael Caine telling him uh, pretty much setting up the first flashback. These guys are um, competitors. Mm -hmm. These guys are rivals or friends. Uh, and it was just so crazy rewatching it because you see that Christian Bell's character has the obvious talent. Uh, but um, Hugh Jackman's character is the is the uh, showman. Mm -hmm. He's the greatest showman <laughs> as he would be. Yes, I know. I I'm a geek. I'm a geek. Uh, I actually like The Greatest Show, man. I didn't watch it because I do not support P.T. Barnum. No. Uh, he's a horrible person. He, he I, I will. It's so loosely based he's off P.T. Of Barnum. Yeah, he well, like, Hugh so Jack, loosely If based. you've ever seen a picture of P.T. Barnum, it destroys whatever movie Hugh Jackman's in. Oh, God. Uh, I, think, I think The Gangs of New York, P.T. Barnum was a better, better fit. Okay. No, but... Um, what was I just about to say? Okay, yeah, he was a better, uh, he was a better showman, yeah, and you can see this because the first introduction of these two men is them being plants in the audience, so they are pretending to be real audience goers so they can rig the trick and you see Hugh Jackman is just like he's playing the part of this guy who's just like this you know rewatching it I just saw picked up all the cues on how he's just like this bumbling guy so to speak and you know Christian Burrell's playing it more cool and calm and collected and could kind of give it away the way he was looking and stuff but no it just shows and then you go on with the movie and um so do you just want to give the spoils away as it is or yeah do you i mean that we, we're just gonna have to because there's because no way to because we're leaving a character out so to speak right um, um 
this this is what I would do. If you had not watched The Prestige, I highly recommend it. Like as close, it, it is an excellent film. My favorite Christopher Nolan film. Mine too. But you need to stop listening to this review, and you need to go immediately watch the film, and then come back to this review because from here on out, it's just going to be spoiler spoiler filled. There's just no way to really dissect this movie appropriately yeah. and do it justice without giving spoilers away. So That's this is your warning. Warning. Spoiler warning. Uh, but yeah, it's also on Amazon Prime if you have that. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So pretty much what we don't know until the end, the prestige, so to speak, of the movie is that Christian Bell character is actually two characters, uh, mm-hmm. which is an ingenious. And I actually got this wrong because mm-hmm. I, my dumb self, thought that he cloned himself with the machine. Mm-hmm. And that was the Fallon character. No, no it's, it's just that. Angier is so torn. Like it, he, there, the trick has to be more complicated. It has to be this. It has to be that. There has to be X, Y, and Z. And he goes to the ends of the earth with Nikola Tesla to figure it out scientifically and try to duplicate this trick. And he's he just owns himself. I, he yes, because he doesn't understand how twins work. Right, but <laughs> but Michael Caine, the voice of reason, is like, no, he uses a double. That's how I would do it. And Michael Caine is basically the OG uh, magician. He's an engineer. He creates contraptions and everything for tricks and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's like, well, how I would do it, I would use uh, a duplicate. I, I just use another man or whatever. And then, uh, you know, Angier's like, no, it's it's not that. It's too simple. He He's too smart and he's overthinking it. And that's what I love about this film because it's the simplicity yeah. of the explanation. Occam's razor. I mean, Christopher Nolan uh, really delved deep into that. Like, no, it's just the simplest ex- explanation is the most likely explanation. And then Angier being so overzealous and so mad with just, um, I wouldn't say power. It's it not revenge. It revenge. Having to be the best. Not only having to be the best, but having to beat Borden. Right. And then show him he was the better magician. So let's just go back real quick. So they work together for a magician. They're apprenticing for a magician. Uh, and, and Cutter is his engineer. Mm-hmm. So pretty much there's this kind of family, but behind the scenes family between Cutter, these two apprentices, and the girl who is the assistant for the uh, magician. And uh, that's also Hugh Jackman's love interest. And in one of the one of the most instrumental scenes that I think breaks down a lot of the movies is when Cutter sends them on the task of breaking down the fishbowl tank with the with the Chinaman who's a magician. <laughs> uh, no, it's a Chinese magician who uh, they were supposed to go and figure out how he pulls off this trick. And of course, uh, Christian Bale's character figures it out. Like this man is is pretending to be a cripple. So he can uh, use that uh, body posture to hide the fishbowl between his legs. Mm-hmm. And it's just that dedication to the craft, that 24-7, you know, dedication to the craft to pull off that trick. And that's what it takes. And that's what um, Danton did not get. That's why he kept thinking everything was, you know, it's too, it's too simple. It's too basic. Mm-hmm. It's because he didn't understand the dedication it took, like for it, it not just to be a duplicate, it to be his twin brother, right? To be one person, like one person's not living a life; mm-hmm. they're just living in the shadow until it's their time to take. You know, now I'm a real person. Like mm-hmm. Fallon is just 
uh, a shadow, uh, right. a, a alias. He doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. We never learned who the real twin is. Like if they that even is their real name. Like right. there there has like there's so many details we never figure out about this. Like we don't know which one starts out. Like we don't know where one begins and one ends, mm-hmm. so to speak. Or um, you know, it's just crazy to think like just and yeah, he just didn't understand like a man would give up his life for a trick. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand that was the length he would go to until he became this crazy person who killed a clone every show to yes. do a trick. But uh, that's where uh, Cutter was like, you're not willing to get your hands dirty. And then he just took it too far. He's like, yeah, I got my hands dirty by killing these clones of me every single night. And he always and his fear was what I didn't know if I would be the man on stage or the man in the, in the tank in the tank. Yeah. You no. Know? So he tries to rationalize it. But of course, Cutter's like, nah, you've this is not magic. This is this is this is a perversion yeah. of the craft, essentially. Because you pretty much eliminate magic at this point. Well, yeah, because you cheated. You you wouldn't. You wouldn't force yourself to do better. You took a shortcut. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much the trick uh, the, this whole film is built on is the teleporting man. Right. Uh, and it's able to be pulled off. It's created by Borden, who is two people. So he can pull it off. And he doesn't, like I said, uh, Don Tom's the showman. So mm-hmm. Borden does it by having two door frames uh, and then throwing a ball, closing one door, and then appearing on the other side of the other door and catching the ball. Very simple trick, you know, but it baffles them how he's able to do it. And, you know, as 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 the movie will show, he he loses two fingers mm-hmm. and they're like, he's using a double. But then they're like, no, he, he has a padded glove. Mm-hmm. Like, so it can't be a double. Right. And they just don't understand like the double, like uh, a pivotal scene between these two is uh, the love interest. The young lady ends up drowning in the tank because Borden's character ties a knot that swells in the water that Cutter specifically tells him is too dangerous to tie. Mm -hmm. And Danton goes on to blame him. And, you know, it's just so much packed in this movie with little clues, like when he asked him, which night, what knot did you tie? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a a lot of of talk about the, the trick of a bullet catch, which is a real thing. Uh, but their t- cutter always tells them this trick is too dangerous. You can hurt yourself. Somebody's going to put a button in the in the barrel, mm-hmm. and that's what ended up happening with uh, Borden. And mm-hmm. he gets loses two fingers, but um, he didn't know because he wasn't the Borden that night who was doing the doing the the tying of the knots. Mm-hmm. And it's just so crazy to look back and think. Which board am I watching? Right. Which one is dead? Which one is alive? Which one? And the only designation is when they have their love interests uh, yes. between the two women. Uh, between uh, Scarlett Johansson's character and Rebecca Hall's character. And uh, one is um, Olivia Winscombe and Sarah Borden, respectively. Yes. Um, and that's when you see that Borden is I would describe it as a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of situation. One person is kind and sweet and the other one is more driven by uh, or motivated by his career. Yeah. 
And this is a great writing method by Christopher Nolan because, like I said, it, it, it really zigzags on who you think the antagonist and protagonist is. Mm-hmm. And during this point in the film, I guess you're kind of on Danton's side. Yes, and very Christopher much so. And, and Bale, you just was like, this guy's an asshole. Like, right. you don't like him. But you don't understand yet that there are two of him. Like, there are literally two people. Yeah, and it literally drives uh, Rebecca Hall's character Mad, uh-huh. mad with grief because she can't. One of the things that she says repeatedly to uh, Borden's character is like, he'll say, I love you. And then she'll look him in the eye and say, Not today, you don't. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking. He's basically baffled by it. Like, what do you mean? He's like, She said, Some days I can tell you mean it, and other days I can tell you don't because they're two different men. Yeah. One really, truly does love her and the other one does not. And who would have thought years later, me and you would be going through the same situation? <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, so silly. It's only one of them. It's the reverse <laughs> boarding. The old reverse boarding trick. <laughs> right. Right. But um, so, it, it, you know, ultimately, because she's so stricken with grief, because she feels so neglected and so unloved, she does take her own life because she... She's confused and she does claim at one point in time that I, I I know your secret. I'll tell your secret or whatever. So we don't really know if she did, in fact, know that these were two people or not. But she did threaten Borden with saying, I know your secret. So maybe that is a possibility that could have also driven her crazy. The fact that essentially she's um, married to two men pretending to be one. I always th- I, I took that upon rewatching that she was bluffing because mm-hmm. when he talks to her nephew, he mm-hmm. tells him, don't ever tell anyone your secret because once they have your secret, they won't care about you. You'll mean nothing to them. Right. So I think that was her way of saying, I know your secret because that's the only thing that's going to hit him because that's all he cares about is his right. work. So in that instant, it was just like, oh, wait, now I have to pay attention to her because he, she might fuck up my work. Right. So she knew that's what I had to say to get him to pay attention. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he was just like, I'm all ears. What, what, what's up? What's up? What's going on, babe? Right. But the, another thing is they have a child from this union as well. Yes. Uh, Very pretty little girl. Yeah. I wonder if she I wonder if she starred in anything else. I don't know. But I was just like, that's just a delightful little girl. Like she smiles and you're just like, oh. Right. So, yeah. But they have a daughter or whatnot, which, of course, one twin is the father of and the other twin is not the father of. Once again, we don't know. Right. We can assume by the end, but at the same time, we don't know. We don't know. And that's I I like that this film really keeps things open ending ended. It doesn't necessarily uh, hand feed and hand spoon the audience of the, you know, the the answer. It gives them the information and kind of leaves it open ended. Very uncomfortable when you think about it. It's very uncomfortable. I mean, Inception did it as well with the ending but throughout the, this movie it's peppered all in like you don't know you're you're not for certain instead of one definitive ending i mean the ending itself is just i think so beautiful because it ties back into the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. of the film it's very poignant and there's a lot of poetic justice in at the it's um essentially at the beginning of the film when um Michael Caine is giving that 
beautiful speech about the the turn, the prestige, and uh, the turn, the the uh, prestige, and the pledge. Um, he's talking to a young lady, a little girl, and when he's talking to her, you know, he he's really fascinating her with his magic trick, and um, he said, you know, it, it it wouldn't be enough. You you want to be fooled. You want to, but you have to bring it back. So this young girl, like I said, uh, Rebecca Hall and uh, Christian Bale's daughter, in which we don't know which Borden twin it is. Borden is essentially sentenced to death because of Angier's actions. Angier uh, basically fakes his own death and comes back as Lord Caldwell. And as Once Lord again, someone else identity, like this whole thing about identity. Right. And- you know, who's the real person and what is the trick and where's the illusion? Right. But Lord Caldwell, to add injury to insult, he takes in Borden's daughter as his ward and he takes her in as his ward and he's all like, I, you know, I'll give her a good life, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing I need to know, I need to know is your trick. You're in prison for, um, you know, basically... <laughs> Basically, uh, me pretending to be dead and I'm this uh, this guy, Lord Caldwell now, as it is to be called, as I'm to be called, as I'm living off my probably all his you know money and revenue from performing over the years. And Christian Bell's like, OK, you know, eventually he acquiesces and gives him uh, with the diary. Yeah, he gives him the diary or whatever. Um, um and uh details his trick but so christian bell's character has to go to the gallows at the end and you know he's hung and um is that when he says are you watching yeah he said before that he says he says it a few times he says it a few times he says it to the little girl he says it to the little boy Right. And he also says it to the prison guard at the end, which is a great scene. Cause yeah. I, the little kid in me was like, he's going to disappear. Like he's right. abracadabra. Right. He's like, are you watching closely? But you know, before that he gives the little red bouncy ball to the uh, little girl who's his daughter or his niece. We don't know really. And so then at the end he's hung and uh, basically great. My, probably my favorite part of the movie is like any last words, abracadabra. <laughs> right because everybody thought he was going to disappear like they're building this up like there was going to be some escape because mm-hmm. he's an escape artist mm-hmm. but then he just hangs because he knows that's what has to happen for his last trick right to you know for him to beat danton like he knows that's the the fucking part of the the, the sacrifice right right and so Basically, Lord Caldwell, Angier's like, you know, I'm retiring uh, the uh, teleporting man, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Cutter comes into this dark and foreboding area where basically uh, Angier's been storing all these clones. Yeah, it's in the state cell. They're they're getting rid of all the uh, pretty much uh, he's buying back all of his property because right. he's Lord Caldwell. Or- right, right. And and we'll go back more into th- how these clones came to be, but I really just wanted to talk about the uh, 
brilliance of the ending. So basically he, you know, he's in this dark chamber or whatever. Cutter leaves. Cutter sees somebody walking in and then Glant looks at him and goes on about his business. Like it's one o'clock in the morning. You know, nobody should be coming in here. Basically, I'm assuming it's one o'clock. It's the middle of the night. And so he comes in and uh, you see uh, you see a shot go off in the dark and uh then you see this red ball bouncing and um basically it's christian bell's character looking at him and basically giving him the whole breakdown he's like he's like you weren't really willing to do what was necessary he he basically scolds him he excoriates him like you're you're nothing to to what my brother and i had to go yeah. go through you're a hack you're a you're, thief yeah you're a thief you're a hack and you use science to manipulate the audience you don't put in the work necessary to essentially be a great magician and be good at your craft you're you're like you said you're just a hack and he admonishes him while uh angier's on his knees basically and he's trying to say oh you don't know what i had to do i didn't know if i had to be uh if i was going to wind up or on stage or if i was going to be the man the clone drowned in the tank or whatever and then christian bell's basically like it didn't matter which one of us got the glory him and the twin, you know, the the thing was that we wanted to basically put on a show for the audience. Yeah. You wanted all the glory. That's why you were the one who was on stage and uh, you couldn't be you weren't satisfied with the body double because he was the one that was uh, taking all the glory. Now they found some random guy in a bar that looked like Angier and then they would perform the trick together similarly like. Christian Bell, the twins was performed the trick, but that wasn't good enough for Angier. He wanted more. He was overzealous. So Christian Bell's character basically walks out, place catches on fire because of a lantern that uh, Angier was holding. And then at the end, which kind of circle back, circles back to the beginning, the young lady, the little girl that was having the trick done in front of Mike by Michael Caine, the biggest trick of all. Her dad walks in. Christian Bell. We don't know which twin it is. Could be her dad or could be her uncle. Yeah, because we don't because she also doesn't know. Yeah. She also was not privy to the fact that uh, her father was two people initially. Right. So that's that's another just crazy thing. So she thinks her father is the greatest magician on the planet. Right. And yeah, it's just this great, great story that goes back and forth between these two men and the their, their passion for magic. And it really kind of makes you think about science mm-hmm. as like this is magic. Like looking back at that to the turn of the century where we had electricity for the first time and like mm-hmm. that was magic and you know they he called um Nikola Tesla a wizard mm-hmm. and that was uh, actually a nickname for uh, also a nickname for uh, Edison is the mm-hmm. wizard of Menlo Park and he was a notorious hack uh mm-hmm. who stole other people's ideas <laughs> and pretty much was was just like the great downtown like he took other people's ideas and just presented them with panache and mm-hmm. a flair and he was a, a showman. So he was the one who got the glory and the one the newspapers chose to cover. And, yeah, it, it's just so uh, such a great story that they were able to fold in magic. And like you said, they were just so outraged that he would use technology to 
do this trick. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he was the one who performed real magic. You know, he cloned, he was able to make a clone of himself, uh, even if it was for this horrible, you know, you're killing a person just for a trick, you right. know, essentially. But it, it, it just goes to show, like, where does magic, or when does science become magic? You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty much magic is the impossible. And when we begin to do the impossible with, with science, it just takes the wonder out of it, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the teleporting man, uh, the two versions, there's the simple version with the, the human version, I'll say. And then there's the scientific version with the clone. And it's just so crazy to think of. Uh, yeah, you're, you're definitely right about he's just so about himself and he's not about the audience or the wonder of the trick. He's more about just the the, the grand, you know, after afterwards, the celebration mm-hmm. of himself. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just a great movie when you look at just the writing and the direction and the everything. This is my favorite Nolan movie also. Yeah, definitely, uh, hands down. Yeah, great twist ending. I never would have guessed that ending with the twin brother because it was just like, it builds it up the whole movie. Like I was telling you about the the scene with the, the when he's meeting with his, uh, the love interest's nephew and mm-hmm. he, she, he, he pretty much sets up everything where he's just like, where's the brother at? Because mm-hmm. there's a, a trick where the uh, he's just making a bird disappear and then another one appear. And he, the trick is that the bird gets crushed in the cage in mm-hmm. a secret compartment. And then he makes just another bird pop out. Mm-hmm. And he understands, like, the little boy picked up, like, there's two birds. Right. And that's what the audience doesn't get. Like, there's two Bordens. Mm-hmm. And he tells them, where's your brother? And then that, and then the very next scene, we're introduced to the teleporting man the first time. Right. Where, we, where she's uh, telling him, like, you can't come in for tea. And then she's walking, watching him walk down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then she goes back to look. And, you know, he's gone. And then she goes into the apartment. He's in the apartment. That's mm-hmm. the teleporting man. Right. Uh, essentially, you know, you see one of them and then the other one appears. And I was just blown away thinking about that because I, I was like, so wait, he ran down there and did he like go to the window? And then it just hit me because I'm an idiot. Right. And no, it was just like, no, 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 it was the twin. Right. And yeah, you see Fallon, who you don't really ever look at twice. You just assume he's Borden's cutter. Right. And then uh, after you watch the movie, you see it. Like it's Christian Bale, of course. Right. But yeah, it's just so crazy to look at the detail that they went through, mm-hmm. and his uh, Christopher Nolan's genius in writing, just everything from I don't know backwards to forwards, like he did with Memento. But yeah, th- I will say this is uh, a film where he did the flashback sequences and present day sequences, you know, pretty much near fall- flawlessly. I wasn't confused or anything like. I hate going back to the Dark Knight Rises, but you're so confused in terms of some of the time jumps and things like that. And I, once again, think that has to do with more so studio interference saying you need to trim this movie down. Uh, But this one had a lot of space to breathe. Um, Just a really good um, paced movie. I'm surprised it's actually not higher in a lot of its audience scores i mm. think it averages like a b i would give it a little higher but you know yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I definitely think this is christopher nolan's best film i love don't get me wrong i know a lot of people out there like the dark knight the dark knight dark knight is a is a great film yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong but if you're talking about a smaller film that has a lot of heart 
mystery. This is a this is a great thriller. This is just a really good film. Yeah, I I, I would. Rank this as his best, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, I have not seen Tenet yet, but just from what I've heard, it's going to be one of those aggravatingly confusing movies. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, yeah, this movie, just the way you it, it goes from a story about uh, adversaries and the way they start at the end to let you know that this had went as far as it could between two mm-hmm. rivals. And then it's like, okay, he's he. Uh, you follow a man who lost the love of his life mm-hmm. to another guy's arrogance, right. and you're rooting for him. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, okay, this guy's obsessed. And then the other guy is just trying to make a make a life with his family, but mm-hmm. he can't get away from this crazy obsessed guy. Right. And it just keeps going back and forth, and you don't know what's what into the actual reveal, the prestige, mm-hmm. and you're blown away. So yeah, this movie is. Definitely something I would uh, recommend and say is at his crown jewel in terms of movie. If I was to recommend a, a Nolan film to someone who was unfamiliar, but yeah, in terms of rating, where do you th- where do you feel it's at? I give it a a nine out of ten. I would also give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies. I would probably give it lower for it being Nolan McGuffin mm-hmm. and just not explaining certain aspects. But it also has David Bowie, so it gets. It's an extra umph in there. And I, th- I think once we get to The Dark Knight, I, pe- I think people are going to be confused at my rating for giving this a 9 out of 10 and what I'll give The Dark Knight. Because they're like, well, if you like the prestige the most, why are you giving The Dark Knight a higher uh, rating? I'm like, in terms of comic book movies, that's I'll be like, in terms of comic book movies, this is pretty much a catching lightning in a mm-hmm. bottle or whatever. Now, as I compare it to other comic book movies now, I'm like, well, I might I think I might like the heartfelt Logan a little bit more, but um, yeah, the prestige nine out of 10 for both of us. Yeah. Both of us. It's just, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's just so intelligent and such, and I think one of the things that we really wanted to do, and we talked about this before, the our community, I think, is the, primarily the African-American community. I know that's who largely our audience is and yeah, yeah, yeah. who we primarily talk to. I think that when we look at YouTube reviews and stuff like that, we don't see a lot of people that look like us. Mm-hmm. And when we do, a lot of times they're not reviewing the types of movies such as the prestige such as whiplash um there will be blood there will be blood but we know that there is a community of people out there like that because you and i found each other you told me to go look at there will be blood Uh, you told me to go look at whiplash so we're just you know really trying to get out there that you know we're we're uh a pretty good hub, I think, for movie reviews in terms of the movies that you may like and that you may want to check out, too, and not be so boxed into the social norms and constraints of what, you know, society deems, okay, this is a movie that only your community would enjoy. Yeah, but you got to trust us because some of these movies you have to watch ahead of time before you listen to this review. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee, like, the prestige, I my my. X-Men superpower is I am good at breaking down movies before the end. So mm-hmm. I could usually get the the, the 
pinpoints and be like, all right, I know mm-hmm. who the killer is, or right. I know what the what the what the trick was that they used. This movie, I was completely baffled. I had no way, I had no idea which way it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And it's very seldom that ever happens. And I, the last time that happens was surprisingly watching uh, the movie Knives Out with. Um, uh, Daniel James Craig, Bond. yeah, Daniel Craig, and I was just like, "Wow, I did not see where this was going." Good job. I Good still job, have movie. to watch that. And, uh, I believe that's still on Amazon Prime. So okay, check that well, out. I know Netflix has a deal with them now where he's making Knives Out two and three exclusively for Netflix. Oh, okay, but yeah, he. I, I really enjoy Good Mystery, and that movie, is, The Prestige, really gives you a great mystery, great plot, uh, great, great twist at the end. Uh, but yeah, I, and an earned twist. Yeah, yeah, I think nowadays there are so many unearned twists that you're just like, well, that was kind of stupid. Well, it everything in this movie is built mm-hmm. like from the ground up. Like it's so sprinkled in there that when we get to the ending, it's just like I'm down. Like I'm completely there for the ride because mm-hmm. you, you're right. They earn it. They don't just pop out and be like, it was a twin. <laughs> Right. No, it's not one of those movies where it's just like, wait, where did this come from? Like this, like, no, they let you know, like there are things you just need to go back and rewatch. And that's, I love any movie that makes me go back and rewatch it and look at it differently because you just see it completely in a new light. Right. Uh, Same thing with, uh, excuse me, uh, same thing with like Inception. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did that a lot, just looking at the way you know, trying to figure out if he actually got out of limbo at the end, <laughs> which, uh, yeah. But no, no, no. That's that's yeah. That's pretty much all I got about the Prestige. Go check it out. Uh, Go check it out, please, please do. You will not regret it. Uh, the reason why you won't regret it is because we're going to build upon this conversation because we're going to discuss other. Christopher Nolan films coming up. I think we wanted to do The Dark Knight. Uh, what else do you want to do? For Nolan? Do you want to do the Batman trilogy in an arc, or do you just want to specifically talk about The Dark Knight? I think we should specifically start with The Dark Knight, and because, yeah, I think that is the best mm-hmm. of that trilogy, and probably the one we could talk about the most. Right. Well, also, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, hmm. You want to talk here. about? I, I don't want to talk necessarily about insomnia. Yeah, I can. I can skip insomnia. I do like Memento. I like Memento, but that might be really confusing to the yeah, audience. Yeah, as confusing as this one. But no, yeah, yeah. This is uh, yeah. I want to do Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, you have to see Interstellar. Because I would like to talk. We could about do it. like a first time viewing type of thing. Yeah. Actually, when I figure out how to do the whole editing with the fucking video box in that we needed to do. Okay. Our, you want to watch Tenet? Yeah, we can watch we, Tenet. We can watch Tenet. I mean, it's available. I mean. I can pull it up. Okay. Well, Tenet. Um, do yeah. you want to talk about Inception or do you just want to keep it a dark night? Yeah, we should talk about Inception. Okay. We need that. That's that's that that movie probably highlights the Christopher Nolan esque. I don't care. Just go for the ride right. type of movie. And I, I don't get me wrong. I like Inception. Like yeah. when you just go for the ride, it's a great ride. Mm-hmm. 
for mm-hmm. what it is. Like it's some great visuals and he really Nolan is great at using, you know, for those who don't know, he uses practical effects. Mm-hmm. He uses he'll he does things just like these magicians. Uh, mm-hmm. just, I think he is Cutter. <laughs> like sure. he is Cutter. Uh, he is Morgan Freeman. He's just like, how am I going to build these things? Like, I, I'm not going to use technology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make modern ingenuity. I'm going to make an entire room that I can rotate 360 degrees mm-hmm. so it looks like they're actually, you know, in this dream sequence. Right. You know, I'm going to flip a truck. 18 wheeler completely over instead of using CGI. Like he does the things that people are like, you you can't do that, sir. The last person I know to do that that does not do that anymore is James Cameron. I mean, it, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. in Terminator 2 how many practical effects they had to use like that highway chase scene. Oh yeah, uh, closed an entire highway or somebody blowing up a helicopter and stuff like that. James Cameron actually did that stuff back then. Now, I don't think James Cameron would because he's yeah, so... Since Titanic. Yeah, since Titanic, yes. Cause, so you would see the perfect blend of computer generation and practical effects. And that's what Christopher Nolan does. He uses a perfect blend. Like, uh, you look at The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger is actually hanging upside down. But he's not hanging upside down over... a a cityscape. I mean, that's uh, a green screen. Bane crashing the plane. Like, it's not actually in a plane, but they actually did take a fucking physical plane and yeah, do that. Right, right. So, I mean, he does it seamlessly and flawlessly. Uh, so, I think that's always something to commend directors that do that. You don't, when you when you do that, you don't always say, oh, this is fake. This is this is f- obviously fake because yeah. your eye doesn't get used to seeing the CGI for long. Yeah, it, it's these huge scenes. And we, yeah, we'll be able to talk about that more when we get into like the the Dark Knight Rises, especially in those those trilogies with these opening scenes, these big theatrical mm-hmm. you know, opening shots. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely commend him on being able to do that because it's so easy these days to take the easy route and just say, let's do some CGI crap. Like, no, he's going to blow up a hospital. Right. And he <laughs> did actually blow up a hospital for the Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, yeah, we could do CGI or we can have Heath Ledger. And let's sit there and I mean what what would have happened if that wouldn't have gone good in one take I mean there's nothing you can do besides build another hospital and blow it up because I mean if you look at that they had to shoot that from multiple angles to get that right once yeah. and then I'm assuming what they did on the ground because when Heath is walking out the timer doesn't go off like it should so that's why he's playing with the little device and he's ad-libbing because the timer actually didn't go off correctly and then he jumps into the um bus and drives off but i'm like okay if they shot this from multiple angles and only got this down once he had to have done that and then when they did the aerial view they had the cgi the bus and the crew and stuff like that out i mean yeah it's so much that goes on behind uh for production and it's probably them yelling at him like keep going keep rolling keep mm-hmm. going time delay and the same time he's probably simultaneously yelling at the people in the bus like where the fuck is the explosion at mm-hmm. you know and Heath Ledger is just you know sitting there like alright I'm just sitting here uh, and boom 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 but that's the brilliance of Heath's performance which we'll get into because there's so many layers yeah and he was only 28 years old well 
28 when he died, 27 when he actually filmed. So, I mean, just a, just a great character, great acting in the movie, except for probably from one person who overacts. But Wait, in which movie? Are you talking about Dark Knight? Dark Knight. I would say Aaron Eckhart overreacts. Rachel! Rachel, Rachel. I, I mean, it's just... Yeah, I, he was good for the role, but sometimes I think maybe Matt Damon, who I think Nolan probably would have been looking at it as well, probably would have been. Yeah, because Matt Damon was originally thought of for the role. Then he went with Aaron Eckhart, and Matt Damon was used in Interstellar and in some little bit part, right? <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get to Interstellar. Right. Oh, my God, we'll talk about that. That's so crazy. But I have um, to watch it first. So. Yes, we have to watch it, and then you, I'll, you, can part out, you can point out how much of it you understand. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a great movie. We're going to go through Nolan. And we're, what other – you let us know what other directors you want to see us go through. There are a lot of them out there, uh, and we have the time. So please let us know. I uh, don't want to just have us talking about our most favorite movies in the whole wide world. I know you guys have your favorite movies. Probably not as good as tastes of me and Eric, but, you know. Wow. Way to insult our audience. Hey, I, I, I challenge you. Know, I doubt you I get those 2,000 likes now. Oh, great. I just actually, I think I only need like 47 more. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that that is hopefully what we can accomplish. And, yeah, that is pretty much all I got. You got anything else for the folks? No. Uh, just once again, thank you all for listening to us. We uh, really enjoy that you enjoy listening just to two old friends uh, banter and talk for a couple of hours or whatever, however long these podcasts tend to be. But, you know, we really thank you for your continued support. We ask that you continue to subscribe, like, share the show. Uh, we really are trying to get up to 2,000 uh, uh, likes on Facebook. Uh, it would really help us out. It would help my man out a lot. Slow here. down. Slow down. I feel like you're rushing. You don't have anywhere to be. It's okay. <laughs> just like, so please subscribe. Uh, please okay, I'm going to do it over. Yeah, just, yeah, okay. just take your time. Be no, no. comfortable. <clears throat> I l want to be a panda, and I want to, like, kill my offspring. Just eat it. So we really want to thank you all again. Uh, take the time out to like, subscribe, share the show. We're really trying to get up to 2,000 likes. Also, if you're in the Kansas City area and you're listening to this podcast, it has to be your favorite podcast. So we're having a People's Choice Award. Is that not correct, sir? That is correct. Good, good, good pull. Okay. And what do we need to do for that pe People's Choice Award? And what do we need to do? To let our audience know what they need to do for that People's Choice Award. Yeah, what you guys can do is you can go to our community group page, Urban Alchemy Support Group, and the link is right there. Or you can go to my own Facebook uh, page and check that. Actually, I'm going to throw the link in this episode description. Everybody just vote for us for Beth's podcast for the first round of voting. And I believe the next round will be uh, next month. I believe there's going to be three rounds of voting and the winner will be announced in august so yeah i definitely think we are the best podcast here in kansas city missouri we are definitely doing uh, I don't know, i'm not trying to put any other show down i love everybody out there uh my compatriots out there in the 
Kansas City podcast. But, yo, we are doing huge things out here. Uh, Pitch Podcast Network. Uh, we got articles coming out from our interviews. Uh, and we got some other things in the work with some other people. So, yeah, I, I'm super proud of us. I'm super excited going forward in the future to see what we got planned for you guys. And, yeah, you know, the more we grow, the more we're going to be able to produce for you guys. So, yeah, as me and Eric was saying, we got to get on YouTube more. We would love to do more first-time reactions like uh, Tenants. Uh, so we can both look very confused at the same time <laughs> right? or uh, interstellar. So you can see me uh, try to explain everything to Eric as I understand it. But yeah, it, it's, it's I'm really excited to see what we got going forward in the future. So yeah, please continue to check us out. Please support. And yeah, once again, music for the episode is going to be brought to us by our old friend, Dre period uh, in his song, IDG. IDG. So yeah, check that artist out link in the description. And yeah, this is our Monday media review. So yeah, thank you all for supporting us. Thank you once again for your continued support. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jane Banks. And this is Urban Alchemy Podcast. I'll catch you all later. You all stay safe and stay blessed. Peace. Dark skin, light skin, man, I love them all. And she really like the way that I'm a catcher when she fall. Cause it's so easy to fall when you got your heart involved. And you shouldn't, but you can't help but to just be real. And you aren't scared to tell her how you really feel. She's so smart, but she don't make it hard for you to close the deal. I know she can be a lot, but it's a lot to reach the top. Your opinions do matter, so give me brain to give me top. Baby, wanna slice some pie, wash it down her cherry pops. Calm down, she ain't a virgin, cause she creaming on the. She want me to keep it modest, so hoes don't know what I got. What's gonna make them try to box? Cause I really hit the spot. Yeah, I really hit the spot. She a bookworm, not a thought. But she carry hella thoughts. She ain't the ones I dream a lot. Yeah, she really hit the spot. She a bookworm, not a thought. But she carry hella thoughts. She ain't the ones I dream a lot. Worth every dime that we breathe out the bed that we light when it's time. Yeah, my homies, we the humans and we steady on the grind. I don't know how you've been doing, but I really hope you're fine. Focus on stability, you just know I'll take all of my time. Just so I can get it right. If I dream about you tonight, I won't let you on my sight. Cause you look good, I wanna bite. She from the hood, she wanna fight. But she be playing, she a hype. And being hype is not my type. But you my type, so, so it's hype. Just so I can get it right. If I dream about you tonight, I won't let you on my sight. Cause you look good, I wanna bite. She from the hood, she wanna fight. But she be playing, she a and being hype is not my time But you're my type so it's dream girl Got you so damn fine Fine, fine Intellectual dream